Life Church podcast with Pastor David Sinkrieber. You know, one of the most fundamental of all human desires is the desire for community, for friendship. I got kind of a front row seat to this the past couple of years with my daughter, Liv, um, who, if you know Liv, she's just not the most outgoing character you're ever going to meet. She she struggles to, to meet people, and, and this was hard going to school. So kindergarten went and passed, and yeah, Dad, I kind of play with a few people, but I don't really don't have any friends in first grade. And then last year, it was like every day on the way to school, we would pray about this. Lord, give Liv some friends. Give her the ability to talk to some people. And I would ask her things like, Liv, what do you do when someone comes up to you and, and, and says hi? She's like, I just kind of go like this. I'm like, that's our problem. That's our problem, you know, like when someone says, hi, respond to them, you know, hey, how are you? You want to play this or that or whatever? And uh, sure enough, as we prayed, uh, the Lord answered that prayer and Livia made friends with Olivia, who is also painfully shy and dreading school. And the two of them are just happy as larks now at school playing every day together. And it, it's this great thing, but they have friends. And that's a, a, a core longing that starts in us from, from the earliest age to have people in our lives that we know, that we feel home with, that, we, that care about us and, and that we care about. Um, we long for those kinds of friendships that, that pick us up from the airport and drop us off, right? I call them airport friends. They're not easy to make. Uh, we long for those friends that show up on moving day. Anybody have any moving day friends? Those, especially if you've got a piano, you know that's a good friend. They show up on moving day when you've got a piano. Uh, and they're like, yep, we're going we're gonna to help. We're going to sweat it out with you. Um, or, or how about a friend that you can ugly cry with? Um, you, know, you know what I mean when you say ugly cry? You have just a, your whole world is falling apart, and then you just, you just lose it with your friend, and the snot starts coming down, and it's just a mess. And, and most people would probably go, Ugh, I don't know. I, I got to get out of here. But the, 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 the ugly cry friend goes, come here. I kind of hug you, and make sure it's going to be all right. We long for that. It's why we love uh, certain sitcoms and, and shows, even, even non-Christian ones, like Friends. We want a community that's like across the hallway that we always hang out with. Um, Seinfeld. We, we want a place like Cheers, where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. It's core to who we are to desire close community. Interesting thing is that as Americans, we also have an equally powerful conflicting desire in us. And that's the desire for self-sufficiency, right? We love characters like John Wayne, and we love this kind of cowboy mentality, this Marlboro man, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And we love talking about being self-made women and self-made men and, and, and how we can just do everything ourselves and we can take care of ourselves and we don't need anybody. We, we're kind of allergic to the ideas of weakness and dependency, needing others. Uh, that's why most of us have something in our lives with an eye in it. We have iPhones and iPads and iPods and iTunes, and we have iLives. We love this idea of being independent and, and self-sufficient and not needing other people. And here's the thing, friends. Our iLives have led us to being more connected with people in the world than ever before in human history. I mean, isn't it mind-blowing that you could take out your device and put your face on the other side of the world in, in just a couple seconds. That is mind-blowing, that you could do that, and you could connect with people on the other side of the world just in seconds, at the touch of a button. 
But all the studies have also shown that while we are more connected to people in general through Facebook and social media, Twitter, and all those kinds of things, at the same time, people report more loneliness, more isolation, more depression than ever before. And the Bible says this isn't God's plan for us. This is not what God has built us for. No, Christianity, my friends, is a we faith, not a me faith. God has built you to be in community. So the Bible tells us that we're to pay attention to those longings, those, those aches in our hearts. When we see those sitcoms and those movies of, of close-knit community, we're to pay attention and say, yeah, I was built for that. I, I, I am not in the kind of relationships that I, that I need to be in. The Bible's story actually is a, is a big story about how you were created to be like God in community. And that's the story that we're going to look at today. So our text today is the whole Bible. And you can imagine the average life church sermon is about 45 minutes with one little text. I got the whole Bible uh, today. So uh, don't panic. This, this won't be any longer than normal. Uh, but, but we are going to sort of do a big flyover look at what the Bible says about how you were created to be in community. I mean, that's my goal today, to convince you that you're not to be the Lone Ranger. You're not to be out there all by yourself as a Christian, but that, in fact, God has a good design for you that you were created to be with others. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert. It doesn't matter what you score on the Myers-Briggs. You were made to be in community. Now, I know that for several of you today, um, you're saying, Pastor Dave, I've been listening to announcements, and is this just a ploy to get us into life groups? I mean, let's be real here. Uh, and to be honest, you got me, all right? We did plan this out. I was going to talk about community right as we're launching life groups. Um, so I'm going to show my cards up front. Yes, I want you in life groups. And uh, now I'm preaching about it. But life groups, if you think about it, is just a teeny little tiny application to this huge, massive doctrine in the scriptures. So basically we're saying life groups, because our lives are so busy and so chaotic, are, are necessary for us to give you some opportunities to build community. But please don't let that be the end of it. They're supposed to just kind of get things started, get things moving in your life, okay? So I want you in life groups. But that's not the big, big overarching picture of today. Um, now, I'm aware that there are those of you in here that when I started talking about community, you just kind of tensed up, right? You get knots in your stomach, and you're just saying, Pastor Dave, if I knew the topic today... I would have slept in because uh, you don't know how I've been hurt. You don't know what happened to me at my last church. It took me everything I had to just walk through the doors this morning. Um, You don't know the kinds of things that were said about me by those other Christians. You don't know the kinds of things that were done to me. You don't know how I was betrayed, and you're right, I don't know. But I have heard those things before, and I do get that. Every one of us comes with certain baggage from being Christians. And, and we're going to talk about it this morning. Like, to be in community as a Christian means we're going to have to forgive each other. We're going to have to ask for forgiveness. We're going to have to do some hard stuff because we're still under sin. That's part of our story we're going to look at. But I'm asking you today, for those of you who are really struggling with this, this is like a hot button for you today, would you just open your heart and your mind to the Holy Spirit and say, can, can, we, can we take a fresh look at this? at God's good plan and design for you to not be all by yourself, but to be in community, all right? Never perfect community, not now anyway, but to be in community. And then, of course, those of you here maybe uh, got tricked into coming. You're not Christians, and your friend told you you're going to go hear a comedian 
or you're going to go to some kind of cool, and then you show up here. You're going to get a free breakfast, and, and you're here today, and you're like, why am I here? How did I get stuck in this? Um, we're really glad that you came. As, as somebody who's maybe wrestling with Christianity, you're not a Christian yet, or somebody that well, it wasn't on your radar, but your friend really wanted you to come, we're glad you're here, and we hope that you hear a little bit about what it means to be a Christian today and why Christians are so excited about being in community. Um, I hope that you understand that Christianity is not like other religions, that you can sort of go to Barnes & Noble and just pick up a book, do-it-yourself spirituality, and just start practicing on your own. Christianity is not like that. Christianity is a we faith, not a me faith. It's always practiced with other believers. Not only locally, as, as Nathan was saying today here in Life Church, but around the city, we, we see ourselves together with the church globally and historically, that we think together, we worship together with all the believers that have ever existed. We're a part of that community. All right, so let's dive into this story. It's a, it's a grand story. It's a beautiful story. It's a captivating story, actually. The story of how God built you and I to be in community. And this story begins where every other story begins, right in Genesis, in the beginning. Genesis means beginning. And it starts with, in the beginning, God. And you might say, well, how does that affect us being in community? Well, Christians, as we sang this morning, confess and believe something very unique about God, something that no other religion confesses and believes. We believe one God, three persons. We believe that our God is, in fact, a community a trinity. Our God's name is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, existing in eternity past in perfect harmony and unity together. I mean, imagine the closeness of that community. Imagine those relationships, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, perfectly unified, perfect love flowing amongst the divine Godhead. That is our God. And the scriptures tell us that the triune Godhead goes on to create all things including humanity. And so God has created all things, and then he creates the first man, Adam. And there's this really stunning passage in Genesis 2.18 where it says, then the Lord God said, he's kind of reviewing everything. He's going around saying, it's very good, it's good, it's good, 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 good. And he comes to man, and he's sort of looking all pitiful by himself there, and he says, not good. That's not good. And some of you single guys, uh, college guys, maybe you know, living all by yourself as a guy, it maybe really isn't that good. Um, I remember my wife saying that when she came over to my house, which was kind of a bachelor pad. And uh, it was just not good because we were filthy, right? It was just not good. Everything was not good. You walk in, and it's like, man, this, this place needs some help. Uh, and that's not what God was saying. He was saying, this is not good that Adam is alone because Adam, humanity, is supposed to be made in my image. God was intending to make humanity in his own image, and a man all by himself is not reflecting accurately the image of God. So God's saying, it's not in my image just to be man. He said male and female, he created them in his image. So, so part of being in the image of God is female, and so together they reflect the image of God. But also, it's not accurately reflecting the image of God to be all alone. And so um, Stanley Gren says this, I'm going to be working a lot off of Stanley Grenz and his book, Created for Community Today. It's, it's uh, a classic on this topic. He says that because God is triune, we are in the image of God only as we enjoy community with others. It's crazy, isn't it? He says only as we live in fellowship can we show forth what God is like. 
because God is a community. He's in harmony, perfect harmony in the triune Godhead. And so us all by ourselves, practicing our faith all by ourselves is not an accurate picture to the world of what God is like. And so God goes on to create woman. And now Adam and Eve together, the two of them, most accurate, are more accurately reflecting the image of God. And God commands them to be fruitful and multiply and begin creating this community of God's people as he intended to fill the earth and subdue it. And everything was going along great. I mean, can you imagine relationships with no strife? You're married in here. Can you imagine that? Not a fight with your spouse ever? Some of you fought on the way into church today. You're like, I cannot imagine that, Pastor Dave. I just can't right now, not, especially not right now. But can you imagine a, a, a marriage, a relationships, no conflict, perfect unity, perfect love, and perfect harmony with God who is there with them in the garden and with all of creation. It's beautiful. And now you can understand why your heart aches for this sometimes. And you're like, it's not the way it should be. I, there's so much fallout in my relationship. There's so much tension. There's so much strife. Things are not the way they should be because this is how you were supposed to be. Everything was in its place. See, we yearn to be connected to God and each other like this in perfect harmony and unity. But unfortunately, as we know, the story takes a negative turn here. The community broke. As perfect as God created the community, the community broke. God, God had given Adam and Eve a simple command, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they wanted to be like God themselves. They were tempted. They said, we could be like God ourselves. Let's do this. They broke God's command, and along with it, everything else broke. Our bodies broke. Instantly, their bodies began to die and decay. Their minds began to wane, and all of their relationships were instantly fractured. Their relationships with God and with each other were instantly broken. And from that point on, all of our relationships now fall under this same um, kind of situation, being in this broken, fallen state. You know, this is why every relationship since then is now pulling apart. You ever notice that? How many people are you really close friends with from high school? That you were just, you know, BFFs in high school, and now you just didn't give it maintenance. Not like your enemies, but you just didn't give it maintenance and, and time and attention, and the relationship just, the natural state of relationship just pulling apart. Um, that, that's just the way things are now. If you don't give relationships work and time and maintenance and attention, they just naturally come apart. Uh, even Brad and Angelina have come apart, apparently. The, the strongest of relationships have come apart. Uh, and, and that is because all of our relationships fall under this problem of, of a broken, sinful world. We see in the story the epitome of this with Cain, right? Could there be any, any more sharp picture of broken relationships than a brother killing his brother? Cain kills Abel in a fit of jealousy and anger. And many of us uh, find ourselves still struggling to this day with unraveled relationships, tension in families, uh, strife in a marriage. This explains it. The community is broke, and we have to be real about this today. As the church, we have to be real about this. We can't say we're striving for some sort of weird um, utopian perfection. We have to say, look, for us to be in community, for us to go to life groups means we're going to have tense moments. For us to be together as the body of Christ means we're going to have to say, I'm sorry. 
for us to be in good relationship to each other means we're going to have to forgive and ask for forgiveness. It means we're going to have to sacrifice and we're going to have to lay down our wants and our needs and our desires because we're broken. Our community is broken. As the story would go, God kept in relationship with his people out of his mercy. He kept in relationship with his, with his covenant people through the covenant. So through Adam and through Noah and through Moses or Abraham and, and Moses and David. He kept in relationship with his people. But if you notice, reading the Old Testament, you, you find out that when it comes to the covenants, God's really the only faithful person in the covenant. He's always the one upholding his end of the bargain. And we're still a mess. We're still a tragic mess with, with each other and with God. Our relationship is still fractured. And so if the Old Testament says one thing, it says it's going to be very needed that we're going to have to have some big uh, plan from the outside if our community is ever going to be restored. If our, if our relationship's ever going to be restored, we're going to need something big, something massive. If the story were to end here, our longing for community would just be a pipe dream. Uh, it would just be like an ancient memory trace in us that we, we know there's supposed to be something better, but we can't ever get back there because the mold has been broke. The, it's, it's just, we're too far gone. We can't get back there. But praise God that in his mercy, he decided to rescue humanity from our brokenness, destruction, and our isolation. And, you know, think about God's first move in this rescue mission. If, if I were to think about it and draw it up, and God was going to rescue humanity, I would have some big production, right? I would have thunder and lightning, some sort of firestorm that signals God is going to rescue humanity. Here he is. It's going to happen. He's going to put everything right. He's going to fix the community. But what does God do? What does God do in his first step of this rescue mission? He becomes a man. God came to be with us. Emmanuel means God with us. That is Jesus Christ. He came to be with us. Nothing says, I want to fix your community like God coming to be with us. I'm not going to leave you alone anymore. I'm going to come and be one of you and be with you. I'm going to bridge the gap that has separated us and has put so much strife between you and I and each other. And God became a man. The first step in mending our broken community was the incarnation, Jesus Christ coming to be with us. And you might say, what was God like as a perfect man? Um, again, there, I would, think, I would think the Lone Ranger kind of thing. I would think Iron Man, you know, somebody super smart and just super powerful. And he can just always figure things out, and he doesn't need anybody else. Captain America, you know, kind of thing. Like, he can just do it and just says, get out of the way. I'm rescuing humanity, all right? I'm busy. I don't need anybody else. But is that the picture we find of the perfect God-man in the scriptures? No. No, when we read the Gospels, we find God as a man entrenched in community. Surprising, isn't it? I mean, Jesus Christ is a man for the people, with the people. He's constantly around people, constantly surrounded by them. He's, he's touching them. He's healing them. He's, he's laughing with them. He's weeping with them. He's eating with them and drinking with them. He's always with people, giving, blessing, teaching, warning. And with all kinds of people. He was with prostitutes and tax collectors. He's with rich people and poor people. 
He was with the religious and the totally irreligious, the outcasts and the people that were the most in. He was with them all. This was our Jesus. And not only did he give it a high level, but Jesus received as well. He wasn't just here to say, I only got something to give. You're not giving anything to me. He was vulnerable. He let people serve him, make food for him, ate with people, drank with people, celebrated with people, laughed with people, wept with people. He allowed one woman to spend a whole year's wages of perfume and pour it on his feet, wipe it with her hair. He was vulnerable. He was a man entrenched in perfect, in, in, in community. He was the perfect model. He shows us that we too are meant to be in community. God as a man is with us and in community. And then this perfect God-man, loved by so many in so much blessed community, was brutally murdered on a cross, brutally executed. And as he was on the cross, there's this strange moment towards the end of his life when when it, it became very apparent that Jesus was about to die. He screams out, almost screeches out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's this horrific moment. It must have been awful for his followers because they're like, oh, no, he's cracking. I mean, that's what it looks like, right? He's losing it. And all the historians say this must have happened because no one trying to make up a story that other people would believe would have their hero doing this at the end of their life. So what was it? Jesus had been so poised. He had been so calm all the way through his trial, through the pounding of the nails and everything. He hadn't opened his mouth. And now he's losing it. What's going on? What was happening? Was it the asphyxiation? Was he running out of breath? Was, he, was it just the process of dying? Was it the nails? I would contend this has had nothing to do with physical suffering. That Jesus' physical suffering was a mere flea bite compared to what he was actually going through. That the reason he screeched out, that the reason he cracked here is because Jesus' community with the Father, that community he had known for eternity past was breaking. See, Jesus was being cast out so you and I can be welcomed in. Jesus was being cursed so that you and I can be blessed. Jesus was being put away from the presence of God, the blessed place, so that you and I can come near. This is a a deep mystery. C.S. Lewis calls this the deep magic of how, for a moment, the divine Godhead could, could experience a breaking, a separation, a tearing in the community so that humanity could come home to where we've always belonged in community with God so that we can have our community restored. Jesus was isolated and rejected so that we can come back to the family of God where we've always belonged. Of course, we know how the story goes. Jesus did not just suffer and die and stay dead. That would be a terrible, awful story. None of us would be here. But three days later, he rose again from the dead, conquering sin and death and breaking the curse that bound all of our community since the fall, since Adam and Eve. See, Jesus killed the death and decay in our community by his death and resurrection. Now, you might say, okay, Pastor Dave, well, if I believe that, then why is there all the strife in my relationship? Why is there all the tension between me and other believers? Why all the fallout? It doesn't make sense. You got a good point. 
But as Christians have confessed for 2,000 years, when Jesus rose from the dead, he began the new era, the new kingdom had come. But it isn't fully realized yet. It isn't fully here yet. We live in the already, not yet. So relationships are coming back together now by the power of the Holy Spirit, but they're not going to be the way they're meant to be. We're on our way, but we're not there yet. And the church lives in that tension. We're becoming, by the grace of God and the power of the Spirit, who we're meant to be, but we're not there yet. And we see in our text in Acts that this was happening. Jesus rises from the dead, then he gives his Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and look at the first thing that happens. Community starts coming back together. Relationships start, start flourishing. I mean, think about this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking bread and prayers. All came upon every soul. All who believed were together, had all things in common, so they're, they're selling things and giving to any who had need and just caring about each other at a high level. They're attending the temple and breaking bread together in homes. They receive their food with glad and generous hearts. They're together praising God. This is a daily thing for them. The church in Acts is getting together like daily. Spending time with believers was a daily thing. Uh, it, it, was, it was everything in their lives was built around, I'm a Christian first. It was huge. Now, I look at this text and I think, there's got to be something missing here. How did they get the kids to soccer practice? How did they get the kids to dance recital? How did, how did they work around weed allergies and nut allergies in breaking bread together? How did, they, how did they make time for all this community? What did they do with the introverts? Introverts are going to like this life. This is getting together way too much for an introvert. I think, how in the world did all this community happen? I don't know. It doesn't say. It just says they did it. They're just together. Jesus poured out his spirit, and it's this community-binding spirit that brings them together around the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not a social club. They're not getting together to play chess. They're getting together because Jesus had died and risen again. And he made them a new community. He was forming them into the people of God that they were always meant to be. Stan Grins defines community as this. He says, and this is the church, a reconciled people who enjoy fellowship with God, with one another, and ultimately with all creation. That's the church now. We're a reconciled people who enjoy fellowship with each other, with God, and with all creation. That's who we are becoming by God's grace. That's who we're striving to be. Which brings us to the, the close of the story. Now, every good story has a good ending, right? It resolves the tension, it resolves the conflict, and you feel, ah, at the end of a good story. And I would argue that this is the best ending to every story ever. If it's true, which I believe it is, this is the best ending to every story ever, ever any story ever, right here in the scriptures, that all we wish, all we've hoped for, all we've craved in community is coming. Is coming. Every single longing of your heart to be with people, to be close, to have people care authentically, to be loved fully and known fully at the same time is coming. It's coming. That's where we are headed according to Revelation for a community that is perfect and will never end. Revelation 21, verse 1 through 4, John says this. This is, this is the end of our story. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. 
And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's where we're headed. A community, Revelation speaks of every tribe, tongue, and nation living in harmony together, working together, eating together, laughing together, hugging together, and with our triune God in perfect harmony and community. That's where we're headed. And that's what we get to start by God's grace now. Stanley Grenn says that the church in this way is called a pioneer community. We're, we're always looking forward to something and we're pointing towards something. He says, it is the people who are seeking to point toward that future God has in store for creation. Under the guidance of the Spirit, this people desires to live out in the present the glorious community for which God has created us. You get that? We are to live out in the present. The church has always been a future-oriented community, but we're to live out in the present what we're headed for in the future. So, so that needs to affect all of our thinking and our decision-making. So we, we think, okay, just a quick thinking exercise, what is everything going to look like when Jesus comes back and puts everything right? How do I start with realism? I know we're not going to be perfect, but how do I start making things like that now. And if you're going to be in perfect community and harmony then, you can't be isolated now. You can't think that that's the life that God has for you now if he intends for you to be in all this wonderful community later. Right? This is his plan for you now. God has created you and I for community. The community that we always long for, which is coming soon with Jesus' return. Now, where does this leave you? Uh, I could easily end the sermon right here and just say, let's go think about this. This is hard for us. But we care way too much about you to do that. All right? So what we've done is we've got a questionnaire for you, which I didn't write. This is a powerful tool that is going to be used in two ways. First of all, um, and by the way, can we have our elders and Dwight, you want to help? That'd be awesome. Start handing these out. We've got pens if you need a pen. I'm going to give a little direction to it. Um, this questionnaire is going to be used in two ways. First of all, it's for you to use with the Holy Spirit to just fill out these simple 12 questions. It's going to take you a couple minutes and do it honestly. Do it honestly in, with the Spirit and say, where am I at in community? This is not about guilt and shame. All right? This is not about you're not doing good enough. This is about a loving Heavenly Father saying, I've created you for community. This is where you're going to flourish. And so... He wants you in this place, all right? So, so just take this as a loving father saying, I want you in the best place for you to flourish. So how, how is that going, all right? But no shame, no condemnation. Pastors struggle with this. Everybody struggles with this. Um, we we got to just assess ourselves from time to time. It's between you and the Lord, okay? Uh, the, second, the second thing you're gonna, this is going to be useful for is for Life Church. We say here at Life Church that we're about making disciples, um, a few weeks ago, I talked about that the New Testament sort of defines a disciple as someone on mission, in community, living a holy life by the power of the Holy Spirit. All right? So 
this idea of being in community is core to who we are as disciples of Jesus. It's central. And so at Life Church, we say, if we're not making disciples who are connected to the body of Christ in community and, and, and really growing in that way, then we're really not making disciples. So, so just up front, we're not a big fan of online church. Um, we're, we're not a big fan of just staying home uh, when, when you could be together with the body of Christ. We think we should be together and doing life together and encouraging one another, not just with Christians here, but with Christians all over the city and around the globe. All right? So uh, we're going to sort of use this data that comes forward from this survey as a way to tell how we're doing as Life Church at Making Disciples. So if you would, you can leave it totally anonymous, throw it in the basket at the back on your way out. That would be a huge help to us. Um, and if you want to tell us how you're doing, you can put your name on it. And that just gives us a little update as pastors. That's totally fine, too. So here's what's going to happen. Kayla's going to come in just a minute, give you an opportunity to respond to the good news of Jesus, and give you an opportunity to come for prayer if you say, boy, this thing of community is a huge struggle for me. Um, and I just need prayer. I need to start there. Uh, and then for the rest of you, after she's done sharing, she's going to pray. Take a couple of minutes to fill it out. Drop it in the basket. There'll be some soft music playing. And then you're free to go and be dismissed. All right? So I'm going to pray for you, and then Kayla's going to come. Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for all the work that you've done to bring us back from our place of isolation and brokenness in community, to restore our community with you and with one another. We thank you that your plan for us is good, for us to flourish, and that this is the way you've designed us. And Lord, today I ask that you would strengthen us today to do the things that we need to do to get plugged into the community of God here at Life Church and around the globe. We ask that you would pour out your spirit on us to help us be honest today and to help us be vulnerable in those communities. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Like Pastor Dave has articulated so well this morning, we worship a God who is in community with himself. And we live in this world where it's easy to feel unknown and alone and that who this God is is good news in the midst of that that this God knows us and loves us and invites us to know him and to know other people. And so as um, you've listened to this this morning, if this is something that's new to you, if this idea of a God who has come to know his people, to be with his people, and to welcome them back home, if that's new to you, I invite you to come and talk with some of the prayer team after this. Um, to ask them questions, to pray with them. Um, And if you just need prayer for anything, to come up and talk with them, to be prayed for, um, and to be invited deeper into knowing God, into knowing people, and to be be known by others. Um, And so I'll pray, and then you are quietly dismissed. Um, God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are in community with yourself and that you invite us into that. Um, We ask that you would continue to help us understand what it means to be in community with you, what it means to be in community with other people. Um, And we pray that you would just continue to guide us in that, that you would give us hope that you are restoring relationships that are broken, that you 
are continuing to meet us in the middle of the hard things of life and that you are good. And so we just ask that you would reveal more of yourself to us this week um, and that we would be able to worship you and praise you throughout our lives. And we pray these things in your awesome name. Amen.